Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. I love seeing the kids up here singing. You know, because I'd love seeing kids at church. You know, we have a, we're, we're losing a generation, I think, within the church because parents aren't bringing their kids to church. They're bringing them to so many other things. There's so many competing things happening on Sunday mornings. And uh, so it's exciting for me to see young people and children and young adults here at Lighthouse. So that's always so much fun for me to see. Um, if you're joining us online, thanks for joining us today. And uh, thank you guys for being here today. Uh, it matters. It matters that you're here today. So, quick question to start off our message today. How many of you here are stargazers, like you like to at night stare up at the sky? Is there a few of you? Yeah. So, that's me. I, I love looking at the stars. I remember growing up as a kid, I lived out in the country, and we could just see stars. I took it for granted because it's a lot harder to see them now, you know, when I live closer to town. But we lived out in the country, and I remember one night as a young boy laying in my front yard just staring up and seeing the stars, and I think I counted over 50 falling stars that night. It was just amazing to see, and I've always been like that, love doing that. I remember one time uh, uh, I was driving, I lived on the north side of Mishawaka, and I was driving through the Target parking lot one night, had my kids in the back seat, and I was driving, and I'm looking up, and I'm like, oh, you can see the stars tonight. And so I'm driving through the parking lot, looking up at the stars, which you shouldn't do, by the way. Um, and I drifted a little over, I think, into the oncoming lane. And so this, this, this lady in this other car honks her horn really loud, pulls up beside me, you know, and kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, and cusses me out right there and then. And then she parked her car and went into Target. I found her in, in Target. Told her she shouldn't do that. That was just more or less what I did. But I've always loved, I love staring at the stars and looking at them. My brother David has some of that uh, love for astronomy. And so he took this photo of the Milky Way with his telescope and a camera. Anyone ever seen the, the Milky Way with your naked eye? It's the galaxy we live in, by the way. So it's hard to see. Uh, unless you're in a really, really dark area. But this photo, uh, here's another picture of the section of the Milky Way that he uh, took a photo of. And then here's one more uh, that shows the entire Milky Way. And we're just out on one of those spiral arms of this galaxy, which is just amazing to have millions, if not billions of stars in this galaxy. And we can only see them you know, at, when it's really, really dark at night, you can just see it. And I love looking at them. I also love looking at the planets because the planets kind of move across and you see those and you know it's a planet if it doesn't twinkle. That's how you know, by the way. Um, it could be the space station too, but that's usually moving. So, But if you see this bright light, it looks like a bright star and it's not twinkling, it's probably a planet. We have five planets that we can see with our naked eye, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, and they look something like this in the night sky. You'll see the moon up on top, but you can see these other bright lights are most likely the planets, and you can see those at night. And I just love 
staring up at the sky and looking at these stars and planets and all of that. So why am I bringing that up for Christmas? Well, there were these men. They were called the wise men or the magi or the three kings. And they loved looking up into the sky at night as well. They were sky watchers. And they knew and recognized the stars and the planets so well that when this new star showed up, they knew right away that it was something special. It wasn't a known star. It wasn't a planet. It was something special. It was supernatural. Now, many people since then have tried to guess what it was. Was it, was it a supernova? Maybe a star exploded. Or maybe all the planets kind of lined up and it looked like one big star. Or maybe it was a comet coming through. We don't really know. But what we do know is that these men recognized that it was significant and it affected their life. And I would say that it affected their life forever by recognizing this star. So today, we're going to study some scriptures that talk about these men and the journey that they took to, to see Jesus, the Son of God. We're in our message series titled, Foretold Prophecies Fulfilled by the Birth of Christ. And each week we're looking back at some of our Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled when Jesus was born 2,000 or hundreds of years later from the prophecies. And so today we're going to look specifically at the scriptures that talk about these wise men. Just, really, just 12 verses in Matthew chapter 2. You can turn there in your Bibles if you would like. And I think there's some things we can learn from this part of the story, the Christmas story, as we study these men. So Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This comes from the Old Testament prophetic book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. We studied that last week. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him as well. Now, he didn't really want to go and worship Jesus, right? I mean, he was jealous and he wanted to keep his position of leadership. And it was actually uh, rumored that he killed family members who he thought were trying to come for his throne. So he didn't want to worship Jesus. After they had heard the king, verse 9, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. 
On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now Herod soon realizes that the wise men weren't coming back to tell him where this future king was born. And so he gets furious and he, and he issues a decree that all the children two years and younger were to be killed in the whole area of Bethlehem. Now in the middle of the night, an angel warns Joseph and says, you need to flee. Jesus's life is in danger. And so in the middle of the night, Joseph wakes up, grabs Mary and baby Jesus and heads to Egypt and escapes this murder, this massacre that took place. Now, later on, Herod dies. And so then uh, they're told again that it's safe to go back into Israel. And so Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus come back to Israel and they end up settling in their hometown of Nazareth in Galilee. So today we're going to take a look at the story of the wise men, this, just those 12 verses, and, and look and see if there are some lessons that we can learn this Christmas season and apply to our lives. The title of the message is Wise Men Believe, and I'm going to pray, and then I'll give you four things that I think uh, can apply to our lives this Christmas season. So let me pray. Jesus, I come to you right now, and I invite your Holy Spirit to be here and to be present in this place. God, we need you to guide us and direct us today the same way that you guided and directed the wise men 2,000 years ago. Give us ears to hear, Lord, what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, some lessons that we can learn from the wise men. First of all, the wise men were searching for the king. They were searching for the king. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So let's talk about these Magi. Many of us have heard the Christmas carol, We Three Kings of Orient, right? You've heard that. And, and the thing is, is that we don't know much about these Magi. We really don't. That song implies a few things. First of all, it implies that there's three of them. You guys read the story. That's the whole story. It doesn't say that there were three wise men. Now, because there are three different gifts given to Jesus, there's been an implication that maybe each one of them gave a separate gift. But we don't know that there were three of them. We also don't know that they were kings. So where does this song get the idea that they were actually kings. And it comes from a prophecy in Psalm chapter 72 from King David, who was prophesying about the Messiah. And he said this, May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. So this prophecy is about the Messiah. It's about Jesus, but we don't know if this is actually applying to these wise men who came from the East. What we do know about these men is that they were magi. So here's the, 
The Greek word used for magi is magos. It means of foreign origin, a magian, that is, oriental scientist, by implication, a magician, a sorcerer, a wise man. So the, the magi were most likely scientists. They were astronomers, maybe even, even studied astrology. We don't know for sure, but we do know that they studied the stars. And when they saw this unusual star rise, they knew that it was something special, maybe even supernatural. And so they're looking, they're in the east, and they're looking off to the west, and they see this star rise over Israel. And so my guess, and I read this, is some of the biblical scholars believe this, is that they asked people who came from Israel, the Jewish people, and they asked them some questions about the history and the prophetic over the, the land of Israel. They were most likely from the city of Babylon. That's what a lot of biblical scholars believe, modern-day Iraq. And so Babylon was a place that many Jewish people were um, kidnapped, right? And they were taken to uh, during the, the fall of Israel many, many years earlier. And so most likely some of those Jewish people still lived in Israel. And so it's not a far stretch to believe that the wise men asked them just, and just said, we see this supernatural star rising over in the west, over your land. What could that possibly mean? And there is a, a prophetic verse in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17 from the prophet Balaam that talks about a star, and it says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. This is a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And so when the wise men see the star, they take it literally and said, there's a, there's a star rising over Israel. It must mean that the promised Messiah, the king of the Jews, is born. Now that's why they began their journey to go see the Messiah. And they found Messiah. But it was because they were curious. They were, they were searching for the king. They were looking for the king. So here's a question I want us to ask ourselves today. Is, am I aware of God's activity around me? Am I aware of what God is doing? If a star rose over Bethlehem today, would we even notice it? Or are we too busy? Too busy to notice. Jesus said this in John chapter 5. He says, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. See, during Christmas, many times here at the church, we, we don't schedule classes and special events because we know that December is actually really, really busy, right? How many of you are busy this time of year, right? Show of hands. And so what can happen is that we get so busy with the holiday of Christmas that we forget the meaning of Christmas. It's Jesus' birthday, and we're talking about him, but we end up maybe missing what God is doing on this very special day or during this very special season. 
So God is at work, even in the month of December. <laughs> we can trust that. But we need to be looking for it and noticing it. We can learn that from these wise men. They were searching for the king and they found him. Second point is that the wise men made a lot of effort to find the king. So they, they noticed the star, but the star was a long way away from where they lived. A long way away. In fact, uh, if they really were from the city of Babylon, it would take anywhere from 750 miles to 1,700 miles to journey all the way to Bethlehem. And that would take three to six months of travel. To do that kind of journey, it took a lot of effort for these men. I don't know about you, but if I'm going on vacation or, or going backpacking or something like that, I mean, just for a couple of days, that takes a lot of effort, doesn't it? I mean, they were planning a three to six month journey to you know, Israel, but then they also had to come back from there. So this could be a six-month to year-long journey, and they were gladly willing to make the effort. Now, here's uh, what most nativity scenes look like, right? We see Mary and Joseph and, and baby Jesus in this barn, and then here are coming the wise men on camels. Well, just so you know, this is probably a lie. This isn't the way it all worked out. Because if the star rose over Bethlehem on Jesus' birth, and they live three to six months travel away, well, most likely, they didn't show up for another three to six months, at least, right? And so Jesus would have been three to six months old at the time. And Scripture says that they found Jesus in Bethlehem, but not at a stable. They found him in a house. So things had changed over that period of time. But they did find him. They took this long, expensive, risky journey to find the king. And because they made that effort, they found him. They found him. So here's a question to ask ourselves today. How much effort am I willing to make to find Jesus this Christmas season? It should be easy, right? I mean, the it's... It's called Christmas. I mean, it should be really easy to find Christ during Christmas, but my personal experience has been this is the hardest time of the year for me personally to be close to God because there's so many things competing for our time and attention. We're so busy. But Jesus isn't taking a break. He actually wants to do some really cool things in your life and in my life during this Christmas season but we have to be looking for it, and then we have to be willing to make some effort to find him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God is not far away, but it's gonna take some effort to push away the busyness and the craziness of everything that's happening during Christmas to be able to find him. But he's worth it, so worth it to make the effort. So the wise men, they made a ton of effort to find the king. And then once they found him, they gave precious gifts to the king. Then they opened their treasures, verse 11, it says, and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were all precious gifts. 
They were expensive. They were rare. They were special. And I believe they were also spiritually significant because I believe they were prophetic of Jesus. See, gold can signify royalty. And so I believe the gold represents that Jesus is a king. And they, they came to find the king. They ended up worshiping the king. So gold represents Christ's kingship. And then frankincense is a rare spice that is used to make a holy incense to be burned in the sanctuary. It is only burned in the holy of holies. So frankincense could represent Christ's deity or even that he is a priest. And then myrrh is another costly spice but it's a little bit different. It is used, it was used in that time to prepare bodies for burial, which is strange, right? Why would you give a spice that's used to prepare bodies for burial to a newborn baby? It might have been strange at that time, but if you look back through the lens of time, right? History, you know, it's easy to look back. It's 2020 vision. We know that Jesus was born to die. And I believe that that gift was prophetic to show that Jesus would one day die for all of mankind. These were expensive and precious gifts, and they were carried over hundreds of miles. But the wise men willingly gave them to the, to the promised Messiah. So this Christmas, most of us are thinking about buying gifts and giving gifts and receiving gifts, right? So here's a question for all of us to ask ourselves. So this Christmas, what gift am I giving to Jesus? I mean, it is his birthday, right? So we need to remember him. We need to search him out. And then we just need to ask ourselves, what are we giving to him? Now, Maybe what you're going to give to Jesus over this Christmas season is the gift of time, which is a pretty costly gift right now because we're so busy. So carving out some time in our schedule just to spend time with Jesus would be a precious gift to him. Maybe for you that means you're going to actually make the time and effort to come on Christmas Eve and, and bring your family too, which is a crazy day, I know. Christmas Eve is a crazy day. We tried to do some early services so that you can still make them and still do the family thing. Or maybe, maybe you're going to give some gifts to the poor through this Christmas season. Jesus said, whatever, whatever you have done for the least of these, you've done unto me. And so if we really want to give like a tangible, tangible gift, it might be finding the poor. Maybe it's the neighbor down the street. Maybe it's uh, that, that, that family that you know is going to struggle during the Christmas season. Or maybe it's just the homeless person that you drive by and, and you just haven't even taken the time. And, and God is saying, no, over Christmas, I want you to do something special for them. Another thing you might give to Jesus this Christmas season is your heart. You know, you've, to give Jesus your life, commit your life to him. There might be some people watching or here today who have known that God has been asking you to give your life, to surrender to him, but you've been holding back. 
Well, maybe this is the year where you give that gift to Jesus. Or maybe you did give your, your life to Christ at one time. You gave him that gift, but since then you've, you've taken it back <laughs> and said, I, I know I gave it to you, God, but I, I really want it back. And so I'm going to live my own life. And, and maybe this is the year you decide, no, I'm going to give you my life, Jesus, for good. And I'm going to give up control. Jesus deserves whatever gift we give to him this Christmas season. But I would encourage you, remember to give Jesus something. Give him a gift, something that's costly to you. So the wise men, we can learn from them. They, they gave precious gifts to the king. And, and lastly, they bowed down and worshipped the king. They bowed down and worshipped the king. Verse 11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. So Jesus was probably three months, six months, a year old, something like that. Just a child, just a baby. And these men saw him, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Now from what we know, these men were pagans. You know, they, they weren't necessarily believers in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But when they recognized a king, even a child king, they bowed down and worshiped. So what does it mean to bow? See, when we bow, when we lower ourselves, we are submitting to the other person. We're acknowledging that the other person has honor or we're giving them respect or we're showing that they are more powerful or greater than what we are. It's a physical sign that we can do to demonstrate that someone else has authority over us. And that's what the wise men did. Here's your last fill-in. The wisest action the wise men took was to bow down to a baby. The wisest action the wise men took was to bow down to a baby. So the wise men were searching for the king. They made a lot of effort to find the king. They gave precious gifts to the king once they found him, and they didn't hesitate to bow down before him. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.